welcome to Working Progress. I'm your host, Brittany Helt, and I'm really excited about today's guest because I'm a dog mom, and our guest is the Culture co-founder. Did I say that right? Culture co-founder yes. co and president yes. of Houndstown USA, which is a dog daycare boarding franchise. Correct. Mm. I, it's. I'm a dog mom. I know these yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're in 50 locations. We have 55 locations. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Growing. We're growing. Yes. Awesome. Mm. So, in addition to I'm assuming you're a dog lover. Yes. Okay. So in addition to being a dog lover, I heard you have a pretty interesting background. Uh, yeah. So for franchising, and I and I think this is so interesting. It's one of the jokes in franchising is like nobody was an eight-year-old dreaming of being in franchising, you know, like you dream of being an astronaut. And so my trajectory, similar to a lot of people in franchising, um, I was in grad school to be a therapist. So was, psychology, right? Yeah, I was studying, is that what I heard? Yeah, I was studying psychology and I was putting myself through school and I had to pick a teacher. It was for some class. I didn't know the teachers and it was Dewey Freeman and Diane Israel. Those are real names? Those are real names. Okay. Didn't know who they were. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm going to live you know, life on the edge. I'm going to pick it alphabetical by first name. Only reason I made that decision. And so I picked Diane, D-I over D-U. Diane and I hit it off and I went to her and I said, hey, I'm, I'm putting myself through school. I need a part-time job. Do you know anybody who's hiring? She's like, well, my brother, Rob Israel, is a lifelong entrepreneurial, serial entrepreneur. He's about to open up another concept and he's looking for part-time help. So I was his first hire and I ultimately ended up uh, growing that company with him and his wife, Renee Israel. Uh, they were uh, dating at the time, became married, uh, both entrepreneurs, and we grew that brand to the largest. It was called Doc Popcorn. Uh, we grew it to, the, to be the largest popcorn retailer on the planet and then ultimately sold it to Dippin' Dots, the ice cream company. Oh, I was going to say, where's the popcorn? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and so I learned franchising from the bottom up, uh, started out as a field coach and kind of worked to running companies. Um, and then after that point, what I, my niche, if you will, is partnering with founders who want to grow their brands through franchising. Okay. And so I partner with the founders and then kind of build the franchise sales, operations, marketing, real estate construction teams. Mm -hmm. And then we, we, we grow brands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so how did you get into the dog world? Because this isn't your first endeavor. No. Right? Yeah. At so Homestown? yeah, again, life is, it's, it's really interesting when you take an opportunity to look back. And so that one decision on just picking alphabetical, that changed my life. That's incredible. Like without that, there's no way I ever would have landed in franchising. There's no way. And so very similar to finding my way to Houndstown, I was at a franchise conference and uh, one of the founders of Houndstown, Jackie Bondanza, was there. I think it was her first IFA, first time at the conference. And like all of us, when we first go to that conference, it's overwhelming. I mean, there's, sure. a, there's so many franchises. It's a huge conference. And I don't remember specifically, but I, I went to her and said something along the lines of, hey, everybody, nobody here knows what they're doing. They've just figured out how to fake it. Mm -hmm. 
And that really resonated with her. Well, I mean, those are words to live by in all kinds of situations. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And as she tells the story, uh, she had a thought at that moment, one day I'm going to hire that man. And so we really hit it off just um, uh, personality wise, uh, value wise. And, you know, I w- just pro bono, but, you know, once a quarter, I would hop on a call with her and just talk through franchising as a growth strategy. And it'd be, it's almost uh, 2021, I think. She reached out about this time and she's like, hey, the brand's getting to the place. I want to hire you. I'm a New Yorker and I get what I want, <laughs> is what she said. Love it. She, she denies that. She <laughs> says she never said that. But I swear that's what the text message said. That's what said. you heard. That's, that's what I heard. That's my story. <laughs> so that's my truth. There you go. And uh, I was at, with another concept at the time. And I just really kept talking with her and understood her vision of the company and the growth that she was looking to do. And yeah, I took the leap of faith and joined Houndstown a couple of years ago. And so when I joined, it was I think it was about 18 locations. Okay. So 55 today, grown a little bit, and we should be around 75, between 75 and 80 by the end of the year. Um, But what's really important about that number, and I like to stress this, is um, uh, people can get caught up in that opening number. And it is important. It's a KPI. But what really drives us are the unit economics for the brand. So how are our franchisees growing their sales, growing their profit, so that we're really marrying into their dreams of being a business owner and they're investing a lot of their life savings into this. So we say internally, we have a sacred obligation to really partner with them and, and create this brand that not only serves the dogs of the world, but can also serve our franchisees. Well, and I would say that's why you're probably here sitting with me that talking could today. could be why. Good segue. Yes. We didn't even practice that. I know. Most of my segues are, are, are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take that one. So, so diving a bit deeper into your role and the importance of creating that um, legacy, I guess we could call it even Mm -hmm. for some of these folks who are investing a ton of their time, their money, their life into creating a doggy daycare, Yeah, right? Um, It goes much deeper than that. And I was told by someone very close to both of us um, that she described you as a true example of a high-powered entrepreneur who's on a mission to succeed in greatness in all areas. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> was Those, that my mom? <laughs> no. No. Okay. no. <laughs> um, so the way that we got connected was through Teresa Adams-Nalt, yes. who is one of our partners that is near and dear to many of us. And uh, she's really partnered with you to grow the culture. Correct. Is that fair yes, to say? Yes, 100%. Yes. So I'm curious about what you're doing in Houndstown that's creating this magic. I keep hearing these stories and I keep hearing all these great things about the people and, you know, it, it's just a, a magical place to work and, and the right people are in the right seats doing the mm-hmm. right things. <laughs> that's not easy. I would suspect everyone wants that in their life and in their career. 
How are you doing that? I realize that's a ginormous yeah. question. No, I, and I can break it down a little bit. So first, I appreciate the the accolades. Um, and I don't mean this as a cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I happen to be sitting here, but it's not me. It's really not. It is truly the team that we've all built. And that started with Mike and Jackie as the founders, laying the groundwork for what we what we do. And then I'm coming in and then we're bringing in other team members. There is no just one person for sure. And, and I really, at my heart of hearts, like believe that. So when it, when it comes to culture, what I kind of have observed a bit is that culture has become a bit of, it's like one of those words like strategy, like it's been, it's bandied around a lot, sure. uh, but mm-hmm. what does it actually mean? And it becomes like this buzzword. Right. But so for us at Houndstown, what culture is really coming down to is that it goes beyond the values of the company. What it's really tying into is that the individual that's coming in there is an individual soul and they have their own dreams and their own desires for a sense of purpose. And so how do we marry and how do we work to marry the vision and the, uh, the mission of the brand, but also marry into the individuals that are coming into the company. And so for a lot of what I, I, I do, it's like, it's, I've been doing this a while now. It's really taking things as I came up in my career. It's like, why do people do it that way? And some I learned, I was like, oh, there's a reason for that. That makes sense. <laughs> but there are a lot of things. They were just, just way people have been doing it for decades. And there really isn't a reason behind it. So how do we do those differently? And so that starts uh, with a lot of different things. Like one, uh, you said with the title, cultural co-founder. That's not my title. Everybody in the company has that title. Oh, that's, that's Every cool. single person has that. And that comes from a previous concept where I was with, where we had a strong culture, but I discovered that I was the culture person. Hmm. So I'm always talking about values. I'm driving. And that's a large part of my role. But I was like, you know, the whole, everybody needs to be part of this. Everybody needs to be committed to building this culture. And so whether you just got hired or whether you've been with the company a long time, whether you're, whatever your seat is, all that levels out in terms of culture. Mm. I love that. So everybody is called a culture co-founder. And so that's on their titles, uh, in their email signatures. Uh, They put it on LinkedIn. It's on their business cards. And so everybody is there as a cultural co-founder. Well, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that that creates a sense of accountability and ownership over it's part of what it. yeah. that culture looks like for them and for their counterparts, Correct. if yeah. you will. Yeah. And then so when I had just gotten hired and it's such an amazing moment for a brand when it's just starting out, it's truly magical because once you get bigger and bigger and bigger, it, it it's it's harder to sometimes shift certain things. And so at the very beginning, it's like this clay and and there's a lot of pressure there because you're molding the clay, but you also have the opportunity to mold. And so coming in there, I had met Teresa through a a business group called Vistage and uh, was just talking to her about ways to create culture that has the kumbaya, which is important. Who are we serving? Why are we doing this? Essential parts of the equation. Um, But how do we also kind of systemize 
individuals coming in and being able to understand who they are. Um, and then what we call is on board for life. So what we talk about at Houndstown is our goal is that every individual that works at Houndstown is, uh, is a townie for life. And what that means is that at their graduation ceremony, uh, our vision is that when they look back at their career, they look back at Houndstown and they say, that was the best place I ever worked. That, yeah. That's a lofty goal. It's a, <laughs> it, it is a lofty goal, but that's the part about visions is that they, they anchor you into what you're doing. And I always reference one of the best visionary speeches, Martin Luther King's, I have a dream. And I think we can all attest that that vision isn't a hundred percent here today, but it's better than it was. And it anchors where we're going. And sometimes that takes decades. Maybe you never fully get there, but you're always moving forward. You're always trying to kind of create that vision. And so for, for these team members, you know, we're not naive, you know, it's, you know, graduate, retiring could be 20, 30 years away. So people move on, life changes, purposes changes. But while they're here, we want them to look back and say, that was the best place I worked. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really cool. And I happen to know a little bit about how you're doing that, but would you share a little bit about, you know, what is that onboard for life look like and, and. Is it working? Have you have yeah. you seen good results? Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of different things we do. On the more practical side of it, is a strong partnership with Teresa and then the work that you all do. So we build every seat uh, before we make the hire. Um, and we spend a lot of time on that. And that's not something I did when I first came up. I was like, oh, I'm hiring a director of ops. Let me pull a job description off of Indeed. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah. oh, here you go. And you come in. Right. And so we really, really focus on that seat. And we really work with you all. And this, it's a time commitment, but it's the ROI is very clear. And we really, really get very specific on the type of person outside of uh, a resume that we need to sit in that seat. And that's before you even know. Before, before we've even be. started interviewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then from those reports, we get a lot of different interview questions that we incorporate in. Uh, we go through the interview process. We have a value interview that I do um, where I talk about the values and kind of unpack those. When we get it down to two to the top two to three people, we then run the reports of they, they take the 30 minute, 30, 35 minute survey and then we get those reports back. And then we use those reports to finalize it down to the, the number one. Mm -hmm. And so what that sets it up for is that that individual is coming in, we already really kind of have a good feel for them before they've even started. Then once they're in, and again, this is, I don't think I'm out on a limb here, but most often when you get onboarded, it's like, oh, hey, your first day you're meeting people and, you know, here's a key, here's this, here's your email and uh, figure it out. You're in the deep end. <laughs> and there, there's something to be said for that. You can kind of see. And a lot of this does depend on the culture that an individual company is building. Uh, for our culture, that's not really that environment we want to build. And so each team member comes into a six-month onboarding program 
part of that is, you know, the logistics. Here's your email address. Here's your computer. Yeah. Here's this stuff. You need that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to have that. Um, but then it's also working with Teresa to kind of build um, the skill based training onto the gap report, understanding disk, your commanding forces, all those different things, uh, what really drives you. And then we're really working with the direct supervisor. So they're getting exposure and understanding of their team member. And then, and again, we're not perfect at all this. We're still growing and, and figuring things out. Um, but ideally all that information is not, doesn't end at six months it stays on there for onboarding for life. So into one-to-ones, quarterly conversations, annual conversations, we're always going back to that and kind of tweaking it and understanding it. Um, what we've seen from feedback from our team, um, uh, for sure, for some folks, it's like, wait, what is this? <laughs> well, because it's it's almost a, we've been told often, it's like its own language it, it's, it's its this, own language yes different, you know it's from a different universe if yeah. you will and so for people sometimes it's a little intimidating it's um i think what it is sometimes and and i i tell the story with Teresa too when i was first kind of getting exposed to it it's like well how how can this capture emotions how does this capture the soul of an individual and i'm not saying that the data is capturing somebody's soul 100 yeah. percent um, but we tend to kind of with people kind of trust our instincts there. And so there was two events at Houndstown where the reports had kind of said, uh, uh these two little gaps and I got them. It was for people on my team. I was like, that's not true. <laughs> not true. I know better than that. I know better. Well, and it wasn't the size. I was like, well, we probably built the seat wrong or maybe we, it, it was us. We did, you know, garbage in, garbage out. We, we probably, did. and Teresa's like, no, I'm telling you, like everything was right. I've double checked it. There's, I was like, no, nah, you're wrong. And she was hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't doubt Teresa. Yeah. Don't doubt Teresa. <laughs> and I would love to say it only took one time for me to learn the lesson, but I can be kind of obtuse. Uh, it took a couple of times and, but it, there was enough times where, and I, I use, I got this word from our founder, Jackie, uh, uh, instead of trusting, she uses the word surrender, uh, which I think is a powerful. really powerful word. And it's really resonated with me. And it's like, I, so I started to, to surrender to what this was actually showing us. And so even when I do have those moments where I'm like, I don't know if that's exactly right. Um, I surrender to it and lean into it. And, and so the team starts to kind of be more connected to their purpose, who they serve within the organization, but they're also growing as an individual. So we're helping them develop skill sets that are resume builders. Mm -hmm. This sets them up for success, hopefully at Houndstown, but if it's at another organization, hey, we're, we're going to send them off with, you know, balloons and handshakes and, and everything. Uh, and it really, I hope it resonates with them that we're investing in them, not just because of an ROI, not just because, uh, we have low turnover and that helps your bottom line. What's really driving us at the very core of it is that there is an individual soul who is putting in a lot of time and effort and making sacrifices to drive this mission that we're doing. And our mission at Houndstown is that every dog in America has access to Houndstown. Mm -hmm. And they are part of that. And we want to know how much we honor them for being part of that. Mm -hmm. So 
going back to the assessments, if you will, yeah. um, can you tell me how, when did you realize, oh, these are legit? Like th- this, this is something that we have to have inside. I, I mean, this is a big commitment, Rob. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every single, you know, one of your folks to, to go through this process and for you to take the time to really wrap your arms around what is this role and what is success. I mean, that's not a small little activity that you're doing for multiple roles. So to me, I'm thinking, well, that's got to be worth it to you. And there had, I don't know, was there a light bulb moment? Was there, was there something where you went, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's a great question. Yes, there's a commitment. There's a financial commitment. There's a time commitment. That's inconsequential to me. Mm. Those type of things don't matter when what you're serving is bigger than yourself. And so if what I'm really trying to serve is, is have these individuals find and, and be part of something, hey, whatever it takes is worth it. So that doesn't really, the, the time or all that doesn't factor in for us to a large degree. Now, the time it took for us to fully, and I'm still learning it, like I'm probably within the organization, like I, I tell them, I know 40%. <laughs> To compared to like Teresa, who's like well, the, the guru, master. <laughs> you know, um, that takes time for sure. But that's where Teresa is so helpful because she's the subject matter expert. Um, but like, well, I, I think the light bulb moment, if there was like a light bulb, uh, I had a team member that was reporting to me and I'm very resourceful. Okay. Like and, very resourceful. And resourceful for those of yes. who might not be familiar you want a return on your investment. That yes. could be dollars, but it could be time. It could be energy. It could be, you name it. Yeah. You want a return. I, I'm, I'm very much looking at uh, time, value, anything that's being kind of kind of spent okay. and then how that comes back, which is ironic because I'm not resourceful when it comes to this program because it kind of fits into a different category. Oh. Maybe it, it, well, maybe it does. It does. <laughs> it does. But what drove it wasn't from that sure. perspective. Yes. And so I'm very high on the resourceful. And my one of my direct reports is very high on selfless. Mm. And you could probably speak to what selfless is better than I can. If I give it a shot, uh, they're very motivated by altruism. Uh, they don't like um, arbitrary deadlines on when things. They, the, the, the beauty of the work is what matters. Mm. And there was conflict between me and this individual. And, and you know, we're kind of dancing around it. We're trying to figure it out. I'm getting annoyed. He's getting annoyed at me. I'm like, we got to get this done. And what's going on? And then working with Teresa, and we went through like a training on the learning management system. And it was, it literally was a light bulb. I'm like, oh, all of this where we're not connecting is because I'm coming from this perspective and you're coming from that perspective. So that helped our relationship just within two humans interacting. But then we could also go to the KAs of the seat. And a the, KA is a... a key accountability. Okay. Thank, I try to avoid the acronyms. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and we, we went to the seat. It's like, well, the seat requires resourceful. Mm. This is an executive seat and the executive seat has to be resourceful. Now we get it. That's not who you are naturally, but we need to train you up on that skill set. 
and the language I use. So you can put on the hat when you need to. Sure. And then when you don't need it, take it off. Take it off, yes. But in terms of this role in the seat, and that was probably one of the bigger light bulb moments for me. And then from there, it's really kind of just grown and grown and grown. That's awesome. And I, and I think we hear, or I have heard several times that it is that, that why piece, right? Yeah. Because it's not so easy to see necessarily where, you know, if we're talking about the sciences, the behaviors are observable and I talk with my hands, I must be a high yes. eye or something <laughs> like that. Whereas the motivation is a little quieter, right? Yes. And so you may have never known in without those those assessments and without that information and data, oh, this is why we're we're having this this friction. It provides language to intuition. So a lot of times when we're interacting, especially in leadership, we're using people skills, sure. right? And that's based on a whole lot of different things, emotional intelligence, uh, how you communicate, a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of times we do, we have like, hey, there's something here, what it is. But that takes time sometimes to go figure out when that, when this language gets brought into it, it's much easier to get to the root of the problem. And now you can work to solve it using that language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're not just using it, you're living it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I'm curious as a, a leader and as someone who's been a leader of different organizations, it's, and the psychology background is so interesting to me because <laughs> it's that marriage of, if you will, like art and science a yes. little bit, right? Yes. Um, so talk to me a little bit or, or share a little bit about how has this impacted you as a leader and, and how has it helped like the onboard for life, but also this framework, if you will. Yeah. So with, with the framework, what, what that does is create context. And so now we have a box, you know, and it's not a restrictive box, but it creates that framework that we can now go play within that framework. Whereas before with other places, we didn't have the framework and you can find that sometimes that, you know, you have your mission statement, you have your values, you think you have good culture, people maybe enjoy it, maybe they don't. Um, but it's very hard to really fully drive that when you don't have that framework. And I think there's a lot of different ways to create that framework. For us, this is the right framework because it really blends the heart, but it also brings in the brain. And for a good cross-section of people, that that really can that ends up resonating. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Awesome. So we're we're coming up on our time. Oh my here. gosh, already? I know. It flew by. It no flew way. by. So what if if you could leave our audience with one thing? What what's that one thing that you want them to understand about this experience with Houndstown? But maybe as a leader, um, you know, in general, what what would you like others in leadership roles to to know or to take away from this? You know, the word that popped in my head was the word that I used earlier, and it's a it's a sense of surrender, mm. and it's it's really embracing that yes, this is a science, and yes, it's data backed, and there's all these other things, but at, what's driving the science and the data is heart. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I always just come back to these individual souls that are working for our companies now. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking before back decades and decades ago, people weren't looking for purpose necessarily from their careers. It was sure. an ends to a means. Sure. And COVID definitely accelerated it. I think the world was moving in this direction already, but we live in a world today that if you want to drive change through your organization, you have to be able to connect to the individuals working in your organization and their own individual purposes. This program does that, does it for you. <laughs> and so now you can go with an individual and you can have that, that conversation about resourceful and selfless or um, collaborative versus commanding or, or whatever it may or may not, may or may not be, but now you have this language to, to, to lean into it. And it ultimately just accelerates what you're looking to accomplish. Well, I, I, I have nothing more to say because you said it so eloquently. And I appreciate the time that you took to join us today to share a little bit about your story and your passion around, well, the four-legged, you know. It's both, yeah, and, it's and the, team, the, <laughs> the dogs and our franchisees. I mean, we, we also... Uh, we don't use the full program with all of our fran but we use disc. Sure. So every franchisee that comes in, we run a disc profile on them. Yeah. We train our teams on how to understand that. That's also very helpful. And, you know, I, I would say thank you to you all. I mean, you guys, I believe, are on this leading edge of where companies and businesses are moving to. And it's the great work that you guys are doing that allows me to do the work that I do. So I thank you all. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. And with that, I think that's a wrap. So thank you for joining us for Working Progress. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode.